Hello and welcome. The following interview was recorded live with a call-in audience as part of a homeschooling how-to marathon hosted by homeschool.com. These how-to classes cover eclectic homeschooling, Christian homeschooling, homeschooling through high school, homeschooling the special needs child, you name it. For the complete list of homeschooling how-to classes, please visit www.homeschool.com and click on the button on the left that says Homeschooling How-To Classes. These call-in classes are free, so please subscribe to homeschool.com's e-newsletter and we will notify you of the next live event. Thank you. So for this next hour, I'm very excited to introduce to you our guest. With us today is Diane uh, Many of you heard Diane speak last week when she was talking about eclectic education, and I believe her title was uh, Everything and the Kitchen Sink to Homeschool Your Child. And, of course, uh, Diane, you maxed out the lines for that. We got all kinds of wonderful uh, thank you notes and positive comments, which we forwarded on to you. Uh, some said that they thought was that was the uh, best uh, call that had taken place so far. So uh, to put you under pressure, <laughs> you have to do <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and the topic today is car schooling. Uh, you know, we can approach it from a, a human perspective, but really there is a need because, um, you know, I have three children, and I seem to be doing an awful lot of driving these days. And when the kids were young, I was able to stay home with them, and we were doing home-based education. But now I'm in the car driving them to classes, driving them to dance lessons, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to um, getting your ideas on how to turn vacation time and uh, just regular commuting time into a fun and educational experience. So let me you know, cover your ears. I'm going to sing your praises for a moment and, and tell people about you. So, uh, Diane uh, Flynn-Keith, uh, in addition to being uh, a homeschool mom, and uh, many of you have heard her speak at homeschooling conferences. I, I'm proud to say she's also a very good friend of mine. I, I admire her greatly. I think she's one of the, the nicest ladies you could ever hope to meet. Um, she has homeschooled her two sons for 13 years. She is homeschooling them through high school. Uh, Diane lives in the San Francisco Bay Area and is the editor of HomeFires.com, which is an online journal and resource center for homeschool families. Uh, HomeFires used to be a hard copy magazine, and now it's a very active uh, list and active website. Uh, Diane is an entrepreneur extraordinaire. Uh, she has created a Click Schooling, which is a resource you're really going to want to know about. You, know, you sign up for this, and every day she'll send you a review of a different website. You know, one day is for science websites. The next day is for reading. A Saturday is kind of for field trips. Really um, fabulous, terrific information. You could homeschool for free um, just using the uh, web references that Diane sent you. Uh, also, uh, Car Schooling is uh, her newest book, a beautiful cover, really a, a fun book, an excellent resource. I'm so excited that she's on the call today talking about that. And uh, uh, Diane has also contributed to many of your favorite homeschooling books, like the California Homeschool Guide, uh, the Ultimate Book to Homeschooling. I mean, you name it, she's written for the magazines and for the books. So I want to go right into the call, Diane, so to get your ideas. So thank you very much for uh, being with us today. Oh, entirely my pleasure. <laughs> Excellent. And as you know, that uh, beeping sound is the sound of more people coming on the call. So it's a very, it's a happy sound. <laughs> so um, I love, I love the word car schooling. As soon as you said it and I heard it, it just totally resonated with me because it made so much sense. How did you come up with the idea of car schooling? Well, when I decided to homeschool my kids, like you, I found that I was driving them everywhere. I drove them to park days, to field trips, to co-op classes, to the library, to music lessons, to soccer practice and even to circus classes. My kids got really involved with circus arts, and they were in the circus for three years. And it was those that, those circus classes that sort of put me over the edge. I, I'm not sure how many people are on the line that, um, that are familiar with the San Francisco Bay Area, but the kids had juggling and high-wire classes in San Jose, and then we'd have to travel all the way up to San Francisco for a trapeze classes. So at one point, we were on the road in the car for at least three hours a day, every day, and we were spending so much time in the car that I didn't have time to do any of the academic work, which at that time, because they were young, was important to me, work like reading and writing and arithmetic, you know, the three R's. And because that, it, that did worry me, I was trying to think of ways to 
to cover those subjects while we were in the car. But not only that, when my kids were on the road for a long period of time, eventually they'd sort of dissolve and they'd start playing games that kind of drove me crazy, like Slug Bug. Do you know that game, Rebecca? <laughs> yes, I do. You have wagons and you have to say what color it is and you slug each other? Yes, you slug each other. Well, it, since that time, I've, I've met a lot of great car-schooling families who have actually adapted that game to Hug Bug, but I wasn't that smart. So my kids played slug bug, and they'd slug each other, and, you know, pretty soon they start hitting harder and harder. Somebody dissolves into tears, and I'm trying to do that over-the-shoulder referee thing. Oh, yeah. Quit hitting your brother. Don't make me pull this car over. <laughs> and, and, and I need to try to figure out a way to deal with that and maintain my sanity and drive safely at the same time. So sometimes I'd just burst into songs, some silly song that would sort of take their minds off that slug bug game. And I didn't have a big repertoire. And one of the ones that I sang repeatedly was that song that never ends. Do you know that song? Would you please grace us with the music, Helen? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm not the greatest singer in the world. This is a song that never ends. Yes, it goes on and on, my friends. Some people start singing it, not knowing what it was. And they'll continue singing it forever just because this is a song that never ends. And it just repeats that refrain over and over and over again. And that would just, it really drive me crazy to the point where I think I'd have to bribe them to stop singing it because they would, of course, join in. But I realized I was on to something with the music. So I started looking around for uh, music for kids, and I found Harry Chapin and Banana Slug String Band and Nancy Cassidy and Rassie and Lena Arnold and all these wonderful uh, children's music uh, producers, singers, songwriters. Sometimes in the course of these songs, they tell a little story. And when they told a story, my kids would settle right down and they would become intently focused on the story. And I thought, aha, I'm on to something. So I started to look for stories on tape. And at that time, Jim Weiss had just come out into the scene. And he was producing this wonderful collection of stories. You, you know, he's just like cultural literacy on, on CD. Um, and he told fairy tales and Greek myths to Sherlock Holmes mysteries. And so these were very educational in addition to being entertaining. And they kept my kids uh, quiet while uh, really improving their um, their language art skills. Um, and by the way, for anybody who's interested in the Jim Weiss tapes, you can get them at greathall.com. That's G-R-E-A-T-H-A-L-L.com. Um, anyway, uh, that eventually evolved to books on tape. And uh, we particularly liked historical fiction because we could, you know, knock off two categories, language arts and history, at the same time. And one of the great resources that we found for historical fiction and great family books on tape was audiobookshelf.com, oh. just like it sounds, A-U-D-I-O-B-O-O-K-S-H-E-L-F.com, audiobookshelf.com. Not only did they have ter of terrific um, family titles of books, um, all of the books, um, they're not edited in any way, which I really appreciated, so they're unabridged. And not only that, they have literary connections for free at the website that you can download, so they're tie-ins to literature so that you can, uh, and lesson plans and things like that. So that was a really useful resource as well. Um, anyway, I started, because we're having such, such success with stories and songs and uh, books on tape, I thought there's got to be other things on tape as well. And then I, I looked around for uh, grammar, you know, practice on tape and mathematics on tape. Oh. And I did eventually find those as well. And I started to talk to other families who spent a lot of time on the road. And many of them contributed ideas for all kinds of activities and games. And I began to compile all these things. And after a while, I realized that I had car activities or resources for every subject required by national curriculum standards that you could do on the road, in the car, and turn your kids into road scholars. And it was at that point that I decided to write the book. So the book is sort of a download of all of that information that we experienced ourselves and that other families contributed over the years. You know, in fact, we should warn people, Diane, to get out notepads and pens because you're going you're gonna to give out fabulous information, just like you did here, website addresses and books. Right. I, I, I encourage them to buy the um, carschooling.com because it's hard for you to give all that information in just an hour. I know that we're going to give like two good examples for all the different categories, the different right. subject areas.
but um, so people get your get your fingers ready for uh, writing cramps because you're going to take some great notes. Some great and experience. a lot of these are listed right at the Carsgoing website, carsgoing.com. And in fact, if you go there and you click on luggage rack on the menu bar, it lists all of the resources by chapter that are in the book. So um, some of these resources that I mentioned today, a few of them are not in the book, but by far the majority are. So that's a great place where they can go to refresh their memories about the things I talk about today. Oh, that's excellent. Good yeah. idea. So, you know, when you spend so much time in a car with your children, uh, sometimes these squabbles happen. I mean, I'm glad to hear that it wasn't just my that it happens with. <laughs> Do you have any suggestions on how to promote good behavior and and cut down on the, you know, he's touching me type gripes. Oh, you bet I do. And, and again, a lot of these ideas have been contributed by uh, other families as well. All of this is documented in the book cards going too. So in Chapter 2 is full with these kinds of ideas and also great ideas for organizing materials that you're going to have in the car with you so that everybody stays safe in the car and, you, you know, you don't have errant gel pens and things, you know, falling under the driver's feet. They're <laughs> trying to shift or something. Anyway, um, I think it's a really good idea to set behavioral guidelines before you get into the car. So I always included my kids in a discussion about what behavior I expected when we were traveling on the road, and what, and I asked them for their help in determining what the consequences would be for inappropriate behavior. And if things really got out of hand, I did discover just pulling over to the side of the road where it was safe, and and I would just wait patiently, and it was their cue that they needed to pull their, themselves together um, before we could proceed on our way. And oftentimes they were kind of embarrassed about the fact that I had pulled over after giving them a couple of warnings, you know, <laughs> that I was going to do that. And they would get worried that the highway patrolman would come along and, you know, want to talk to them. And I'd say, well, then you will be up to you to explain to the highway patrolman why I had to pull over. <laughs> but usually that wasn't, I mean, that, it wasn't very necessary. The minute I would start to pull over, they would just stop and, and instantly behave themselves. So that, that kind of worked well for us. Um, I think it's really important to determine seating arrangements before you get in the car because lots of times there are arguments about who gets to ride in the shotgun seat oh, position yeah. in the car. And we eliminated that altogether by saying that whoever had the worst family chore that week got to ride shotgun. So in our house, the worst chore was um, dog poop patrol. Yes, that's so who, in our house too. Yeah, so whoever had to do that got to ride shotgun that week, and that really solved that problem for us. Um, and uh, I also think that it's important for adults to remember that you don't have to always sit in the front seat. I mean, the driver does, obviously. But oftentimes, you know, we'll have both parents in the front seat and the kids in the back, and they're acting out. And if you just switch the dynamic a little and put an adult in the back seat, things stay relatively calm and corrected for, throughout your entire drive. So my husband and I would often just trade off. One of us would sit in the back seat with the kids, and, and another one would be up in the front seat. Um, you know, of course, if you've got uh, car seats, you know, or safety issues with car seats with very little children, that might not be uh, uh, something you could do. But, again, they, little kids that young probably aren't, aren't the major problem in terms of acting out anyway. And then uh, it's a great idea to have lots of things to do in the car. A lot of these resources that we're going to be mentioning today are helpful to have, so it takes the kids' minds off bickering, and they can, it'll keep them busy instead. And um, I think it's really important to probably limit time playing electronic games in the car because uh, an awful lot of parents tell me that their kids get hyper and frustrated and ill-tempered if they play those games for too long a time. Now, that's not saying that they shouldn't play it at all. It's just sort of moderating the time so that they don't get um, behavioral changes uh, because they're doing it for too long a time. What about and then, our TVs and videos? Is it the same effect? Um, I, don't, I have not heard the same thing with regards to... Um, DVD players and videos in the car, uh, so so I, I just I don't know. And I, I at that at the time I was um, spending a lot of time in the car with my kids. We weren't using videos at all. In fact, we didn't even have a TV in the house. So, uh, although I do believe that on very long trips across cross country and things like that, that it's probably a real lifesaver for a lot of families. And because of you know as well as I do, like Matura.com has those fabulous educational videos, Standard Deviant, Cerebellum all of those great titles that you could use in the car, and, and there's no reason why you can't use those uh, video and uh, DVD technology in the car to learn as well. So uh, the other thing I would say is please limit, um, <laughs> probably limiting foods with lots of sugar or certain kinds of food dyes. Some parents tell me their kids get really hyperactive 
if they eat those kinds of foods so that they avoid um, having treats with those kinds of sugars and dyes um, in the car with their kids. So, uh, and, and finally, I'll tell you, one, one woman wrote to me and she said that she restored peace and quiet in the car by giving everyone a sugarless lifesaver candy and then had a contest to see who could make it the last the longest. Ooh, she said, you'd be surprised at how well that worked in terms of keeping the kids quiet. Because they're busy uh, not sucking. Busy life. sucking on a lifesaver, <laughs> trying to make it last. Possibly a brilliant idea. Yeah. And you mentioned organizations. You're going to give us ideas for all these great products to use. How do we keep them, you know, relatively organized in the car? Yeah, you know, there's lots of different ways. And fortunately, they're coming out with cars now that have these incredible storage ones. I'm sure you've seen the commercials on TV for some of these uh, minivans, but. Uh, you got to utilize things like side pockets. you got to utilize the trunk of the car and um, carry storage containers um, in the car. And uh, every time you get out of the car, it's helpful to remove all the garbage and to put everything back into the storage containers for the kids. Allowing the kids to have backpacks under their feet with some of these materials in them is helpful. You can get um, tray tables and uh, behind-the-seat organizers from places like com, or you can also... Get them even at a Target. If you go to the automotive section, you'll find these wonderful car organizers. Uh, you'll find visor, you know, visor organizers for CDs that attach to the the car, the visor, the sun visor in the car. Oh. So there are lots of really terrific products out there right now that really help families um, organize and take along things in the car that keeps them restrained and safe. So, like in the event they have to stop short, things aren't flying all over the place and possibly putting anyone at risk in the car. That's excellent. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, car sickness because some kids do get car sick. Do you have any remedies or suggestions on how to deal with that? Of course, of course, um, because that, that came up quite frequently as I, um, as I was writing the book Car Schooling and getting uh, information from people, compiling information. that a lot of families did say their kids got car sick. I had a, my, one of my sons got horribly car sick from the time he was very, very little, and he still gets car sick to this day, although it, 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 he can usually go a longer time before f- feeling sick. So some of the things that you can do, preventions and remedies, and, and in fact, I don't even know that most people understand what happens or why you get car sick. It's caused because information to the brain from the eyes is different than what's fed to it through the inner ear. Um, in a car, passengers, especially if they're in the back seat, may not be looking at the horizon ahead, and so their eyes don't register the fact that they're moving, even though the liquid inside the inner ear is being stimulated by the movement of the car. So the eyes tell the brain there's no movement, but the inner ear relays the opposite message, and the conflicting information to the brain is what results in nausea, especially for those who are really sensitive to uh, movement. So because of that, what you want to do is try to sit these kids who do get car sick or adults uh, where there's an unobstructed view of the outside horizon, so that the front seat is really ideal for these kids. Um, never read or draw in the car because it takes your gaze off the horizon and that causes the eyes to not measure the movement in opposition to the inner ear, which detects it um, anyway. Uh, roll the window down. Lots of people report the fresh air, cool air circulating in the car really helps relieve the nausea. You can plan your trip ahead, and this is what I had to do all the time, and allow enough time to provide regular stops along the road so that every 15 to 20 minutes, I actually did pull the car over and give my son a chance to sort of regain his composure. Sometimes that, or sometimes he just needed to throw up, and, and <laughs> sounds terrible, but, you know, we had to deal with that as well. Uh, you can try motion sickness wristbands um, from the drugstore or over-the-counter uh, motion sickness pills like Dramamine or Bonine, but I would check with my physician to make sure about dosage, especially for young children. And um, ginger is another thing that Chinese sailors use ginger to quell seasickness, and scientists have confirmed its effectiveness. So you can get ginger capsules. You can get ginger chips at your health food store. Some people use candy ginger or ginger snap cookies with real uh, ginger or ginger ale even, and they've all been shown to be effective to one degree or another. And, and the good news is that a lot of people actually do outgrow car sickness or, or they just learn that, you know, maybe they get tolerant to it or something. Um, but some people are car sick for their entire lives, and if that's the case, then you've got to learn to um, avoid doing things that trigger car sickness. So you're not going to do reading or paperwork. Instead, you'd listen to music, listen to books and stories on tape, focus on games that require the players to look out the window at the horizon, 
um, sing songs, play games like I Spy, 20 Questions, and other word or talking games as opposed to writing in, or, or reading in the car. You know, you mentioned the car sickness medicine. I, I used to get terribly car sick as a child, and fortunately I still do as an adult. But uh, used to be I never liked to take Dramamine because I'd get knocked out. Yeah. The new ones like Bonine and Marazine, they really do stop the motion sickness with um, getting you all drugged up and sleepy. Yes, I had the same experience with Bonine. I get horrible seasickness, but when I take that, I don't get drowsy where I do with Dramamine as well. So you're right, yeah. Thank goodness they're making some good materials, some good medicine now. Yep. What do you think are the top essential car school supplies? Okay, I, you you have to have, in my uh, in my opinion, you must have an audio cassette player or a CD player in the car so that you can listen to audio books and other educational recordings. Um, then, of course, you, you have to have a supply of audio tapes and CDs. And, you know, you don't have to buy these things, although, you know, you can purchase them if you can afford to. But if you just go to your local library, your audiovisual department in your library has tons of books on tapes and resources on tape. And the gift can go to your um, homeschool um, curriculum fair, and a lot of people will be uh, charging much less money for items that have already been used but are in perfectly good condition. So uh, you want to load up on audio tapes and CDs to use in the car. You need lots of paper and notebooks and scratch packs and coloring books in the car for those that don't get car sick, car sick of course. And something that was brought to my attention that's a great thing to have in the car are post-it notes. Because you can not only keep them for, you know, tallying game scores while you're in the cars, but the kids can draw on them and stick them up all over the car and sort of create an instant mobile art gallery, which is kind of a cool thing to do and keeps them entertained. And, you know, they're easy to take down and, and throw away when you're through with them. So post-it notes are a great thing to keep in the car. Uh, writing and drawing tools, you need pencils and pens and colored pencils and crayons and markers and highlighters. Uh, but I will say with regard to crayons that you remember that, in hot cars, they melt and they make a big waxing mess. And I've got the upholstery to prove it in my car. So uh, I think if you just put them in it to bring along a cooler in the car, uh, you can stick them in the cooler and that'll keep them from melting. Or you need colored pencils. It's a little safer. Yeah, colored pencils are safer. The highlighters, of course, depend on the age of the kids. Those things can wind up all over the car. And, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're making now um, Crayola markers and and um, the wipe erase markers, you can actually use those on the windows of the car and they come right off with a wet cloth. So, oh, that's right, the new car pens. Yeah, new car pens. So, you know, you can have a, a mobile art gallery with all kinds of great pictures all over the windows or you can use them for tallying scores or for practicing um, spelling or writing or anything else. And um, and they clean up really easily and it eliminates the need for paper. So that's, that's another thing that people um, might look into. Yeah, books you would like to bring along in the car for kids who don't get car sick, um, including activity books and worksheets. And I don't know if you've seen those magic pen books. Have you seen those? Oh, yeah, I love those. For younger children? You, no, no, no. They have them for all ages now. And they're just, oh. yeah, they do. They're just fabulous. They're, um, they're by Lee Publications. And, um, oops, I'm dropping the phone here because I'm, I'm moving things around. Uh, they, these are books that they're themed, and they come with a special marker pen. And you color in the pages in order to reveal with this marker pen in order to reveal like answers to trivia questions and answers to history questions and science questions and math questions. And um, even for little kids, they have uh, pictures of like endangered animals and things. And the kids use the pen to color in the the page on the book, and it reveals the animal. Um, so the they're just a great learning tool to have in the car, and they're available at Amazon.com. And anyway, so that's a great little activity book to have in the car. What, what are they called again? Magic Pen. Magic by, Pen Books at Amazon.com. Right, and they're by Lee Publications, L-E-E. The nice thing about it, too, is that the, the Magic Pen is um, clear. Yes. Yes, so you don't have uh, marks, you know, errant marks all over the upholstery of the car or whatever. Now you mentioned the audio books, too, and I just want to reinforce that because um, I get the Newberry books. Um, you get, the titles of them come in. You get one Newberry book like Johnny Tremaine, and it lists all the other Newberry award-winning books. And yeah. I go to the library, and I get them on audio books, and gosh, my, my kids are getting a great education, and so am I, by listening to all these fabulous books on tape. I agree. You can't go wrong with Newberry uh, award winners. They're, they're I like fabulous. to listen to um, motivational-type books, too. Uh-huh. And it's kind of nice education for the kids because they get to listen in. Yes, yeah. In fact, um, you know, Robert Kiyosaki has the um, 
Rich Kid, Poor Kid, or uh, series, and uh, I think that's on audio cassette as well, and you can listen to that in the car. So, uh, you know, for kids who are ready to hear more about uh, finances and uh, running a business and stuff, that's a that's a great tool as well. And the Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens is a fabulous audio. You're right. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Stephen Covey, mm-hmm. his son. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I agree with you on um, on some of those uh, great. Uh, C, you know, CDs or audio cassettes to bring along in the car, and they're available at the library as well. Um, another thing that I like to keep in the car is a camera, and it, I don't care what kind it is, regular, disposable, digital, uh, Polaroid, whatever you can bring along so that your kids can capture and document special moments uh, on their trips. And sometimes things will happen just while you're running a five-minute errand that you really wish you had a camera for. Keep a camera in the car, and then you're never without it. Um, field guides. The one thing I would love to tell people and hope they will do is take your field guides off of your bookshelf and put them in your car. Because when you're riding in your car, you're in the field. That's when you see rocks and trees and birds and flowers and animals and insects and things. And when you have your field guide right there, you can look them up instantly and, and get a little bit more information to share with everybody in the car. So it's, and even little kids, tiny kids can try to match pictures of them, a bird or a, you know, or of an animal they've seen alongside the road with what what they find in a field guide, and it's never too early to train people to use those kinds of resource materials. Um, and another tool I think is an absolute must is a magnifying glass. It's a complete boredom buster, and you should keep an inexpensive magnifying glass available for every passenger in the car so that nobody has to fight over it, because you can use uh, use it to examine all kinds of things from you know, your skin and freckles and pores and hairs and scabs, you know, to things that you find tucked in car seat cushions, you know, like a moldy bread crust or, or dried up french fries. <laughs> There's really fascinating things to look at under a microscope. And, you know, things you find along the way, like um, you might find dead bugs or something that you could you could uh, take a look at through the magnifying glasses or feathers or rocks or things like that. There's just so much to look at, and it just reinforces that whole scientific method of observation and and then you can take it a step further and go to recording by keeping some kind of a journal in the car or notebook so that they can draw a picture of it of what they see through that microscope and um, it, it's just a fabulous tool to use in the car and you can where also find the magnifying glasses where do you buy those oh gosh I, you know just about anywhere even even party supply stores have little inexpensive magnifying glasses but places Drugstores that sell um, reading glasses and things like that usually sell magnifying glasses as well. Um, and any science supply store or teacher supply store will probably carry them too. Um, you can also carry a repertoire of songs along in the car so they don't get, you don't get stuck singing the song that never ends over and over again. And I think um, a great selection of car games and activities because half the time, you hear about these great ideas, but if you don't have them listed somewhere, you don't remember them when you really need them. So I'm, I'm going to put a shameless self-promotion plug in for my book and say, get my book, keep it in your glove compartment, and then you'll always have lots of resources to use with the kids in the car. And finally, an essential tool is a roll of aluminum foil because aluminum foil, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about in a few minutes about using it to take um, rubbings on historical markers and the like, but you can also use aluminum foil to just tear off a sheet to the kids and let them make all kinds of fun things out of it. They can make jewelry out of it. They can make chains out of it. They can make, you know, helmets and shields and and uh, little balls to toss around. It's just a great um, a great product to keep in the car. It's inexpensive and it keeps people entertained for a long time. This is excellent. I'm going on vacation next next week and I'm just going to buy one of those plastic boxes and put all these great fun things in there. Yes, absolutely. And while we're listening to the book on tape. That's right. Well, Diane, so this is perfect. We have plenty of time. Do you mind if if I kind of give you um, a subject area, like science or math, and then you just very quickly give us, say, one or two um, like games or activities for that subject area? Yeah, I'd love to. That'd be okay. great. All right, let's start off then with uh, one of my favorite subjects, science. Oh, I love science, too. So uh, we're alike that way. And one of the great things, you know, when you're driving down the road, and here in California we have Highway 5, and it's all farm community, and it's right through the agricultural valley of California, the Central Valley, and uh, there are just bugs everywhere because of the agriculture there, and they smush on the windshield all the time. And, you know, people get, you know, ew, bug blood. 
But bug blood is a really fascinating thing, and I like to call it windshield entomology. Um, if you notice, bugs don't really have blood. They have something called hemolymph. It's a clear liquid, and it's composed mostly of water, but it's tinged color depending on what the bug ate. So if the blood's green, the bug ate leaves. If the blood's yellow, it ate nectar from flowers. And if the blood is black, the bug ate other bugs. Now, sometimes you'll see what looks like red blood that's squished um, in an insect, say, like a fly, but that's generally not blood. It's a pigment from the bug's eyes. So that's a little tidbit that people can take home with them. That it's in the book um, if they need to to, to reference it. Um, another great tool, as I said, is that magnifying glass because if you do find dead bugs, say in, in the grill of the car, you can pull them out, put them in a little baggie, and let the kids examine them with the magnifying glasses. Um, there's another great resource, uh, science resource for. Uh, high school age, there's a company called Lyrical Learning, and they've taken life sciences and biology and for high school age, and they've uh, created a workbook and a textbook, and then they've taken the basic science concepts and they set them to traditional tunes, so things that you might have to memorize about that subject, they've set it to music. And one of the ones they did was all about bacteria that they set to the tune of Oh, Susanna, and I'll sing you a verse of it just to give you an idea of what's available from this company. <laughs> so it goes like this. <laughs> oh, lacking any nucleus, you do have a cell wall. You live in water, air, and soil, and anywhere at all. You reproduce by fission, and you do so very fast. And under harsh conditions, in an endospore, you last. Oh, bacteria, they're simple and so small. Without you, ecosystems would not function well at all. Is that great? I love it. What's the name of the company that has these? It's called Lyrical Learning, lyricallearning.com, and um, it just great information. And, you know, even with little tiny kids, my kids, I found these when my kids were relatively young, way before high school age, and they just start singing these songs, and, you know, their grandparents just thought they were the most brilliant geniuses that ever walked the face of the earth. You remember things that you learn on a song. You remember things that are set to music, so it's a, it's a great company for that. And, and the concepts, the science concepts that Lyrical Learning covers are much, are more sophisticated than what you typically find for, say, elementary grades. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go buy some. I love that kind of stuff. And my <laughs> son needs to memorize the table of elements tree, and I'll bet they're gonna have that. Oh, sure. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. How about some examples for a math? Another one of my favorite areas. Yeah, well, it's not one of mine, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> there were plenty of parents who contributed to this book who had a lot of terrific ideas, and one of them was a teacher in Santa Cruz, California, and she came up with this way to help her own kids who were ages like five and eight do mental math with addition and subtraction, and then she did it in her classroom, and it's again setting uh, math facts to music, uh, but she did it to the old tune, 100 Bottles of Beer on the Wall, but she switched the title to 100 Bottles of Juice on the Wall. <laughs> to make it more palatable, I guess. Um, and so what she did was to do this. She'd go, five bottles of juice on the wall, five bottles of juice. You'd go to the store and buy three more. How many bottles of juice on the wall? Ooh. So then she'd pause and she'd wait and let the kids figure out that the answer to five plus three is eight. And then she'd continue with the song and go, eight bottles of juice on the wall, eight bottles of juice. You take two down and pass them around. How many bottles of juice on the wall? And again, she'd pause so that the kids figured out that by subtracting two from eight, you get the answer six. And then she'd continue with the addition and subtraction drills that way. I thought that was just ingenious. I love that. Isn't that great? Oh, very fun. You know, every guest so far has been talking about how important it is to make homeschooling fun. You know, that homeschooling should be blast. High school should be a blast. And I think that these suggestions that you have, we should be doing them every day because that's what makes learning so fun. It is. Oh, I agree. And I, and I, I'm probably one of those guests who said it that first year of homeschooling especially should all be all about having a great time with your kids. And if you set that up when you first start homeschooling, then you will continue to do it throughout your homeschooling. You have to have a sense of humor in homeschooling in order to survive, in my opinion. And, and these kinds of fun games and activities, they all reinforce learning and do make it a lot of fun and just create an environment of, of goodwill in your family, and so that when it does come time to maybe a little more serious study, and everybody's sort of willing to go along with the program because, in general, you have this this great environment of fun set up, and they, they have a desire to learn because of it. 
So I agree. I'm going to post up a note now in my own bathroom, and I'm going to ask myself the question every morning, how can I make learning fun today? Oh, what a good idea, yeah. I think it's going to change our lives. It, it can. I, I agree, yeah. That's excellent. Another suggestion for Matt? For Matt, um, you know what I love, and a lot of people love too, are the learning wrap-ups and the klutz wraps. Have you seen these products? Yes. Okay, so uh, to, to kind of describe this to you, a learning wrap-up is like a, um, a bookmark-sized plastic game card, and it comes with, say, let's take multiplication. It'll have a, a set of multiplication uh, facts on one side of the bookmark or little plastic game card, and on the other side, um, directly opposite from it, is the answer. And there's a piece of string that comes with it, and so let's say you're starting with the... Uh, let's say the eight times tables, you say eight times one and you look for the answer across the card and you draw the string across to the answer, which would be eight. Then wrap it around the back of the card and you come forward. And so the next set might be five times eight. So then you look for the answer 40 on the card and you keep wrapping the string around and you keep doing all the problems on the card until it's completed. And when you're through, if you flip the little card over, there's um, the... The string that you wrapped should follow the pattern that's etched on the back of the card in order to be able to prove your work that it's correct. So I know it's kind of hard to describe over the telephone, but um, they're great little learning tools. They come in addition, subtraction, multiplication, percentages, fractions, and they're even now offering them in foreign languages um, and um, uh, algebra as well. So they're a great tool. It's learningwrapups.com. And uh, Klutz Wraps, Klutz has joined the um, the wrap field as well. And uh, their, their Klutz Wraps, they have them even for reading and phonics and grammar. So uh, you want to check Klutz.com for those products too. Nice tool for the kinesthetic learner. Fabulous for the kinesthetic learner. And, um, and you know, just they make it easy for anybody who wants to drill and practice, um, you know, mathematics facts. And um, it's just a fun way to do it. What about and language arts like uh, reading, spelling, and grammar? Well, I think one of the most, um, one of the ones that uh, kids certainly enjoyed the most, and a lot of people know about them because they've been around forever, are Mad Libs. Are you familiar with them? My daughter, my eight-year-old daughter, loves Mad Libs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you cannot love Mad Libs. Mad Libs are these little um, tablet-sized booklets that you can buy at any bookstore for the most part, and you can also get it at Amazon.com, Mad Libs, M-A-D, and then L-I-B-S. Um, and essentially what they are are, um, how do I describe this best? Okay. You know, my kids know the parts of speech because of Mad Libs, because yeah. the, you have a sentence and there's a blank and you have to fill in. It tells you put in a noun, put in an adverb, put in an adjective. That's right. You're learning parts of speech when you use this game. And essentially what you do is you have these stories in Mad Libs, and the Mad Libs book comes themed. So you can get history stories or science stories or, or just plain old trivia stories or just funny stories or literature stories, whatever you want. Or but you do. Pardon me? Scooby-Doo, we, we there you go. Yeah. So you, you have in each tablet there are um, a story on each page, and each of the stories has blank spaces in it. Well, there's a reader, and the reader knows what the story is about, but all of the other players in the car are called the writers, and they don't know what the story is about. So the reader asks for words to fill in the blank spaces, but what they don't, they don't ask just for words, they ask for parts of speech. So the reader will say, I need a noun. And the, the writers in the car have to offer the name of a person, place, or thing. Or the reader says, I need an adjective. And then the writers in the car have to describe, give them a word that describes something or somebody, like, you know, lumpy or soft, ugly, messy. Um, then the reader might ask for an adverb, um, telling how something is done. And so then the writers have to come up with a, a word that's an adverb. It modifies a verb and usually ends in L-Y, like mostly, stupidly, greedily, slowly. Uh, or the reader asks for a verb, which we all know is an action word, so run, pitch, jump, the swim. These are verbs that the readers, the writers might offer. And, um, or exclamations or questions or anything like that, they might ask for uh, the reader, sorry, but yes, the reader might ask for those words. The writers supply them. And again, remember, the writers don't know what the story is about, so the reader's just filling in all these blanks in the story. And when they're complete, the reader reads the story to everybody, and usually because the writers didn't know what the story was about, the, the resulting story is extremely funny and puts everybody in stitches for a period of time. But all the while, they're learning the parts of speech, so they're a fabulous tool to use in the car. Excellent. What about history? 
Um, I think that roadside historical markers are, are one of the best deals going, especially since they're kindly supplied by your tax dollars hard at work. And um, I don't think people pay enough attention to historical markers while they're driving along the road. But I know that with my own children, um, they just really didn't, they thought of history sort of irrelevant because it happened a long ago to people that they didn't really have any connection with and they, they didn't see the relevance um, uh, to them in their lifetime. And that misconception really stopped in our car schooling when I started stopping the historical markers because the historical markers call to you from the highway and they say, hey, stop, something really important happened right here. So if you just pull over, if it's safe to do so, and usually it is wherever there's a historical marker posted, um, it gave my kids a place in their own world that they could connect to something, some portion of history that had occurred there often centuries ago. And to give you an example, my kids were studying uh, Spanish explorers, and um, the Portola expedition happened up along the coast of California, and he happened to camp over on um, in Half Moon Bay and Pacifica, and the next morning he sends an expedition up over the coastal mountain range and sees the San Francisco Bay and discovers it. So uh, there, there is a historical marker that marks that up on Highway 280 where we live, and I just pulled over and showed it to my kids, and, you know, they walked around in the spot where Portola had walked. And to a kid's mind, it's as if they think their feet is touching the exact spot where this guy's feet touched the ground, and it just brought history alive for us. So I think historical markers are really helpful. I don't think you always have to get out, but if you just stop and read them, sometimes the discussion about that little piece of history will continue for miles afterwards, for a very long time afterwards. And another thing you can do with historical markers is what you do with gravestones. You can take rubbings of them because usually the letters on historical markers are raised and there's usually a picture. So you could actually get a piece of butcher block paper and a carpenter's crayon and you know rub it over it to take the rubbing or getting back to what I told you about aluminum foil before, you can take a sheet of aluminum foil, place it over the marker, and just gently rub over it with a cloth, and it will sort of um, emboss um, what's on the historical marker onto the aluminum foil. So you, you can carry it with you in the car for a short period of time before it really, you know, falls apart and doesn't, you know, doesn't last too long. But it's just sort of a fun thing to do with historical markers. You know what I'm going to do from on too, Diana, is I'm, I'm taking your book off the shelf and I'm going to put it in the car. That's where it belongs. It does, because I have this shelf that goes underneath the passenger side front seat, and from now I'm, I'm going to put it there, because I'm going to give it to the kids, too, to take a look at while we're driving. Oh, yeah, if your kids are readers, they'll find The other thing about the book is it has all these little, um, we call them from the information highway. There, um, there are these little sidebars throughout, on every, almost every page of the book that has fun information that they can just read and tell everybody in the car without doing a game at all. It's just great trivia facts. I think we should have had this conversation in April before people started their summer holidays. <laughs> that would have been well, it's not too late. I think statistics show most people go in August anyway, so hopefully we're catching the crowd. And, you know, homeschoolers can go any time of year. We're not limited to just traveling during the summer. That's right. One of the secret advantages to homeschooling. Yeah, it is a secret advantage, yeah. Okay, what about geography? Okay, I, I think one of the best things you can do is take along an inflatable globe in the car. And I, I don't know how many people have ever seen these, but they're, uh, it, it's just a resource... <laughs> I wouldn't be without, and I'll tell you why. I used, um, when I was with my kids and we'd be listening to books on tape or audio books in the car, um, every time, I got in the habit of every time a, a character or place was mentioned in a book, I would um, show my kids or ask them to find on a world globe where that place was located. So that we did so much reading together, as most homeschoolers do, that within a very short period of time, my kids had a really good concept of where other countries and and places were located throughout the globe. And inflatable globes are great because you can bring them along in a car. They're made out of plastic. You can blow them up when you need them. When you're not using them, you can deflate them and, um, and you know, just stick them underneath the car seat or in the glove compartment. And uh, if people go to my uh, website, carsgoing.com, they'll find, uh, if you go to something called luggage rack, again, on the menu, and you'll see a list of the chapters. If you go to geography, um, there's a list for uh, uh, inflatable globes there in places where you can purchase them. That's good. And your kids must be better behaved than mine because I can envision that, that inflatable ball flying around the car and bonking off the back of my head. <laughs> <laughs> How did you control that? So really well, Ben, I would suggest for you to bring an atlas along with the car. 
Uh, I, I never really had that problem, I, you know, with my kids throwing stuff up front. So I, I think I made it really clear. See, I, I, we have behavioral expectations. We shut them down in the beginning. If any of that had started to happen, I would have started to pull over and it would have ended right there. Actually, good answer. Yeah. Tell the kids we all don't want to die, so let's just take a look at the That's exactly right. <laughs> And you know, art, of course, is pretty easy, don't you think, in the car? Oh, yeah, because it, you can draw, and again, remember using those markers and crayons, you know, marker pens that are for the windows or post-it notes, you, you know, you... Kids just really find all kinds of ways to be artistic. Pipe cleaners, I think, are a great tool to bring along in the car because you can make not only really interesting figures and, like, geodesic domes and things like that with them, but you can make numbers and letters, and, 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 so, um, and, and it's all tied into art as well. There's a company called Pioneer Drama and PioneerDrama.com. And Pioneer Drama has, um, their, their whole point is to create, um, you know, plays and one-act scenes and things like that for schools. So they carry everything from melodrama-type plays um, productions to Shakespeare, and you can purchase from them these um, uh, scenes, and then your kids can act out these dramatic scenes in the car. So that's kind of a fun thing to do. I've heard like an a awful lot... Theater. Pardon me? Like a reader's theater where they're kind of reading through exactly. the... Exactly, yeah. I love that. And I've heard an awful lot of people say that their kids have memorized their parts for plays and things while they were in the car because... You know, if you have two kids and they can both read, they can play the parts back and forth, and it just turns into a really entertaining exercise. I've had people tell me that they've recorded their kids doing that and then would give the recordings to their grandparents, you know, send them to them so that they could listen to the kids and hear what they're doing, and that that really was a lovely way to share what they do during their homeschool day. My girls would absolutely love that. Yeah. Yeah, particularly um, adding sound effects. Oh, yeah, you could, there's so many fun things you could do with that. Now, and, you know, you could always make costumes out of the aluminum foil in the car, too, you know. And the you do a Viking play, and now we got a little Viking helmet. <laughs> what about um, music? I assume that's pretty easy in the car, too. I think so. I think especially, you know, with the older kids, they're going to pick the music they want and listen to their, you know, um, CD players or something in the car. But... Um, there's so much, I, I think it's just a matter of choosing your particular musical taste and sharing the music with everybody in the car. But there's that wonderful classical kids. Uh, are you familiar with that program? Oh, no. In fact, I want to be more um, familiar with that because I have an 8-year-old daughter who's really talented in music, and I'd like to expose her to more. Okay. Well, there's a classical kids series, and it, it does introduce people of all ages to classical music. Um, each title in, in the series is a fictional story that includes real historical information about the composers, so we're talking historical fiction here, um, little anecdotes about their lives, and samples of their musical work are um, interspersed throughout the, um, the CD or the tape. They also come in videotapes so that you can get them in, in all three of those, um, of those media forms. And some of the titles are Beethoven Lives Upstairs, Mr. Bach. things about that. Yeah, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. Mr. Bach Comes to Call, Mozart's Magic Fantasy, Vivaldi's Ring of Mystery, and a lot of these things reveal things about the the um, composers. I mean, you know, really revealing things about their lives that that are um, make them just so much more interesting. Like you know, the fact that Beethoven didn't bathe very often, and and um, <laughs> so so things like that that really bring them to life and make them seem like you know real human beings instead of just these incredible geniuses that you, you know that you wouldn't have anything in common with or that you wouldn't relate to. Is that classicalkids.com? Class. Uh, they're available at Amazon.com. I don't know. I don't think there's a classicalkids.com. I could be mistaken about that, but I do know you can get Amazon.com. Amazon. And then right. the search box put in classical, classical kids. kids. Right. Or you but can put in the individual titles. These suggestions you're giving, Diane, are, of course, fabulous, not just for car schooling when you're in the car, but for homeschooling in general. Absolutely true. In fact, I've told a lot of people, you don't have to, uh, you know, <laughs> for those people that don't like to, um, travel in the car very often with their kids so they don't have any reason to, you know, they could, if it makes them feel better, they could take the book and go out and sit in their car, <laughs> even if it's up on blocks in the driveway, you know, and they could still enjoy the activities. A lot of the things in the book you could actually do, um, like when you're standing in line, and you could certainly use them on any mode of transportation, you know, from a taxi to a bus to to an airplane and, and use them to entertain the kids there as well. But I also think it's a great book for, it was written from a homeschooler's heart, remember. So these were things that I enjoyed doing with my children and that often saved the day when I was having one of those homeschool desperation days where I really thought, oh my gosh, we haven't done a thing. 
um, I'm, I'm desperate, I need to feel like we've learned something. This is a book that you could pick up, choose one thing out of, you know, with the kids, and it would make you feel like you'd accomplished something educational that day. So you're right. It's really good for that. Love it. Okay, two last categories. I know you must be getting tired. Your brain must be getting tired, but this information is so great. What about uh, foreign languages? Um, so I think foreign languages, that, I think that's one of the most uh, difficult subjects to teach. But fortunately, when you're in the car, you can uh, you certainly utilize all of the different foreign language programs that are out there. And the problem for me with foreign language programs is that I, I have tried tons of them. Um, but it, for each family and each individual person, the manner and the style in which the program is given is going to affect you differently. So it's really hard to make recommendations. What I did was I assembled a list, and it's in the book, um, and I'm sorry to have to people refer people to the book, but that's where it is, and you can get the book at the library, so you don't have to go purchase it. But um, foreign languages, um, I asked all of these uh, car-schooling parents to give me their recommendations for the best foreign language programs they had used with their children, and when I listed the programs in the book, I included these parents' comments so that other parents reading their comments can go, you know, that sounds like our family, that might work for us. And so I think that's really a helpful thing to have. Um, I used something called Teach Me Tapes with my kids because when they were, um, they actually uh, created for young children, but when you're learning a foreign language, you are, you know, for all practical intents and purposes, a young child because you're learning something from the very beginning, right? Right. So the Teach Me Tapes introduce a foreign language through song and stories. And I used them, and I, I bought... <laughs> I bought a ton of Teach Me tapes in many different languages, in French, in Spanish, in German, in uh, Japanese, and, and other languages. And I let my kids listen to them and follow along with the stories, and they come with little workbooks so you can do these activities just to expose them to all of the different sounds and languages right. so that when they got to an age where they really would pick a language to study, those sounds weren't so foreign to them. Somewhere they'd been logged in their brain, and I thought that that would make it easier for them to really um, immerse themselves in language. And as it turned out, eventually one of my kids did really study French for quite some time. And, um, and another one studied a little bit of Spanish, but, but uh, not, not for all that long. And I think really for both of them, uh, they, I used the opportunity of using the foreign language tapes to also talk about other cultures and uh, to describe other people in the world. So I used it for social studies as well. So they have a really good grasp of where things are located in the world, what people are doing there, what languages they're speaking, and um, and it just makes them much more literate all the way around, you know, globally literate is what it does. Uh, so the Teach Me tapes are great, and I think uh, learning wrap-ups, as I mentioned before, also it has come out with a foreign language program so you can do drill and practice work in foreign languages using the little um, uh, learning wrap-up tool. So those are all great resources to use. You know, homeschool.com, too, on the home page in the resource guide, the online resource guide, has a foreign language section. Oh, great. So people can go there and take a look at some of the many different programs available. Exactly. The different companies and the programs they offer. There are tons of them. And, again, a lot of these are available through. A Power Glide is one that a lot of homeschoolers recommend over and over again. And, and um, these are often available through your local library as well. So check your local library for these programs. Well, you've been such a good sport. I hate to ask this last question to you. <laughs> it's a trick question. What about P.E.? <laughs> P.E. from the car? Yes, you can do P.E. in the car. And actually, one woman wrote to me not too long ago, and her family did calisthenics in the car to music. But they had uh, they have a DVD player, and they bought uh, Richard Simmons tape in, that was specifically geared for people who were confined to wheelchairs oh. and so here are her kids strapped in the back of the car but they can put the DVD player in and they can do all of these exercises along with Richard Simmons that are designed for people who are sitting down and she said it really helps shake the sillies out when these kids you know when, you know how you get you driving along and everything's fine then all of a sudden you know the energy level because these kids energy is bottled up for a long time in the car starts to rise and rise and she just put in the DVD and just have them really move a lot while they were in the car but they were safe while they did it so I thought that was a fabulous idea and with my own kids what I would often do was to call ahead to um, chamber of commerces that um, uh, were in cities that were along the road you know along our route and I would ask somebody at the chamber of commerce can you tell me uh, a place uh, the closest the name of the closest park to a highway freeway off-ramp 
um, in your city that has picnic tables, swings and equipment, and restrooms. And they would often tell me exactly how to get to that local park so that we could just pull off the highway and we could have a snack, the kids could use the restrooms, and they could plan all the equipment. They oftentimes met new friends and played with new people, and it was just a wonderful uh, rest stop other than your standard rest stops that often don't have anything for kids there. Um, or, you know, try, taking a chance on playing in some parking lot um, of a restaurant where we stopped, you know, which is never very safe. So uh, that was an, a great idea that we utilized in our own car schooling. Do you have any suggestions about food? Because I love, I love traveling with the kids. I love being in the car. And I, I'm, I'm really sick of taking them to fast food restaurants. I feel like I'm giving them such a disservice. And, you know, it's, just, it's not healthy. But they need a food is a great time occupier. You know, yeah, you know, it's funny you should mention that because I, I just sent out um, a car schooling newsletter. We have a free car schooling newsletter that comes out monthly now. And I just sent it out to our list. Um, and in it, I described um, a number of different kinds of ways to use food in the car to uh, educate your kids. And, of course, you can bring sandwiches along and cut them into different kinds of fractions. So cut one into fourths, cut another into thirds, cut another into sixths. And uh, you know the kids can have fun trying to piece together a whole using some of the different fraction pieces of other people's sandwiches. It's playing with your food before you you eat it, but you know it uh, it reinforces some concepts and and makes it fun. Um, another thing that I did with my own kids was any time we did a zoo trip, um, I would do uh, an animal cookie car safari, and uh, I always brought along animal crackers. And you can get the kind uh, that are made with fruit juice as opposed to made made with sugar at health food stores. Yeah. And we'd bring along these little boxes of cookies, and they're great because they don't have icing on them or anything. They're just a plain cookie, and um, the kids like the taste of them, so they don't get too messy. They're bite size, you know, so that little pieces and crumbs don't get all over the upholstery and stuff. Um, and before they would eat them, I'd say, hey, we were just at the zoo. You just learned about the animals there. So before you eat your cookie, hold it up. Tell us what you have and tell us one interesting fact about it. So my son might pull one out and go, oh, this is an elephant. And I can tell it's an African elephant because it has big ears, whereas Asian elephants have tiny ears. Ooh. And then he'd eat the cookie. And if they don't know something about it, then we welcome anybody else in the car to offer information about that particular animal as well. So it's just another way to reinforce education with snacks that you use in the car. I will say with regards to snacks that a lot of people recommend, and I do myself, that if you're going to have a clear, li- I mean, liquids to drink in the car and you have to have something aside from water, go for clear liquids. You know, if you're going to have sodas, then have 7-Up. If you're going to have, you know, fruit juices, try to find something that's light in color because uh, anything with dyes and it just stains or, you know, grape juice, get white grape juice as opposed to, uh, you know, red grape juice or purple grape juice just because it stains the upholstery when it spills and, and it kind of helps you keep the car relatively neat looking. You know, I just, I need to get in the habit of putting a medium sized cooler in the car and before we start our, our trips or our commute, putting some healthy foods in there like the grapes and the sandwiches and the Oh, and the little carrots that you can get now in the stores and celery sticks and, you know, little, um, uh, raisins and for people who are on allergic peanuts or nuts or things like that. Um, there are just so many snacks that we just don't think of. We're just so used to pulling over and buying a, you know, French fries at the exactly. at the fast food place. Uh, but you can really, um, it, it takes some thought, Rebecca. It takes some effort. And for a lot of us, we live such busy lives that it's just hard sometimes to slow down and do it. But if you do, you will see the difference and you will see the results and you'll never regret having spent a little extra time uh, preparing ahead uh, for long trips with um, with uh, healthy snacks for your kids. I am. So that, that's my uh, thing I've learned from this call. I'm going to put a cooler in the car. I'm going to have healthy snacks with us because we always end up starving a half hour, half hour into our trip. And I'm going to get a box with some of the, the globe and um, the magnifying glass and some of these great suggestions you have. Great. Well, thank you. Well, then you'll be car going, Rebecca. What's that? <laughs> you'll be car going officially. Oh, Yeah. That's really good. You've made my life easier. <laughs> Seriously. I, I really Good. Yeah, that's the it. point. Yeah. Well, gosh, it is. Um, we only have two minutes left in the call. I can't imagine that our callers would have any questions for you because you've handled the topic so thoroughly and with your customary sense of humor, which I enjoy so much. But let's open up the call so that people can say hello to you. Okay. Great. Here we go. You're now live. The call is nice and live. You can hear everything you're doing. 
Hello. Hello. Do you have a comment or question for Diane? Yes. Please go ahead. I just traveled across the country, and a friend of mine made uh, those metal aluminum trays that you get at the Walmarts or things like that. They put white contact paper across the top. She made little um, jewel-type, just, you know, your basic craft-type plastic jewels and put magnets on it, and we use that for math. And the whiteboard, you know, because it had the white contact paper, you could use dry erase markers on it. And they could color, they could draw pictures, they could do math problems, they could do everything. And, it, and we attached a, um, uh, a rag so they could wipe it off themselves. Oh, what a great idea. Uh, do me a favor. Write, write that to me, editor at homefires.com. Okay. That's, I'd love to pass that idea along to somebody else. It was a wonder. It really, I mean, just for hours, it kept them so happy. Yeah, and, you know, something like that, if we can figure out a way to give people simple instructions, then they could they could um, replicate what you've done and probably save a lot of money as opposed to going out and buying some of the lap desks and things that are available. Yeah, it's just one of those little aluminum trays with white contact paper attached to some, you know, store-bought um, magnet stuff that you just, with some, with some glue, attach it to your marker so it stays on the tray and... The magnets stay on the tray, and it's wonderful. Great idea. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, no problem. I have a question. Diane? Yeah? Could you give all of your contact information again? Because I'm, there are people are going to have great ideas. Homeschoolers are so creative. Would you give your email address and website address and the name of the book, everything again? Yes, I'd be happy to. Um, uh, please do write to me with your ideas, especially if you can't get them through on this call today. Um, I'm, I'm, we'll pass them along to other people through my newsletters and through my list. Uh, trust me, I'll do that. It's editor at homefires.com, and that's E-D-I-T-O-R at homefires, H-O-M-E-F-I-R-E-S dot com. And the website is um, homefires.com or carschooling.com. That's excellent. Okay. So we'll, um, we'll bring this uh, session to a close, but I'm going to open up the call, Diane, so that you can uh, speak with um, our callers. Okay. So I'll bet they have some great ideas for you that you can use for your newsletters. Okay. So everyone, thank you very much. For product testers, um, Diane Keith is the name of our guest that we've been speaking with, or you can put car schooling in the subject line. Thank you very much for your information. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to contact the companies that Diane mentioned as well that she mentions in her book, and we'll ask them to send their products over so that you can test these products yourself and determine if they are worthy of a homeschooling award. So if you want to become a product tester, you can go to www.homeschool.com slash product tester, P-R-O-D-U-C-T-T-E-S-T-E-R. And we're very happy to have you as a product tester. And for those of you who already are, uh, very grateful for your feedback. So uh, thank you again. This officially ends our hour-long session with Diane Keith. But I will open up the call so that you can chat a bit more together. I had a suggestion. Yeah? And it was regarding long car trips and maybe you pack a cooler but you eat up all the food that you have and then you need to replenish. And I found that by stopping at the grocery store, there's like yogurt you can get and cheese sticks. They usually have delis and and maybe they have a salad bar and soups and you can pick up um, you know, like plasticware and little crackers and things. and. That, it's much cheaper than fast food, and it's a lot healthier. Yeah. And, you know, my, my children, they enjoy it because they can each get something different, whatever they're in the mood for. And that, that has been just a lifesaver for us. So where are you stopping to get these things? Like at, just at a, a supermarket? Yes, like a, a major grocery store. Um, you know, it With might, the deli section. Right, you could do the deli section or, like, even the dairy section for cheese sticks. Because they often have... Um, Items for lunch for workers in the area. That's yeah. point. Yeah. And some of the the, um, the stores also will have little restaurants within their store. Oh yeah. And, and so that's been you know very 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 helpful. Does it take that much longer than going through a drive-through? Well, we we kind of um, I work it out to make it like a, a little bit like a mini trip. That this is what we're going to do right now. We we get a little exercise by walking. Yeah. Stretch our legs, and it's a nice break yeah so it's um and and then sometimes we'll maybe if we're in a hurry we'll just get the, our little treats and snacks and then we'll eat them in the car but it i found just having that little break refreshes us and helps us to be better um 
you know, in the mood for school when we get back in the car. Yeah, yeah, that's really a good point. And, you know, supermarkets generally are really nicely air-conditioned, so yes. <laughs> if you're traveling in the warm weather, it gives you a nice break from being in the car. And, you you know, so many of these supermarkets now are the size of football fields that you really can get some good exercise just by walking through yes. them. So yes. great idea. Diane? Yeah. I just wanted to know, where can you find the Teach Me tapes? Those sound really good for the foreign language. Uh, let's see. If you go up to my website, carschooling.com, um, I'm just looking here now to see. Yeah, it is a, if you go to the luggage rack on the menu bar, it, it will open up and you'll see Chapter 9, Foreign Languages, and the Teach Me tapes should be listed there. If they weren't for any reason, you just email me, editor at homefires.com, and give you a resource. But... I believe Teach Me Tapes are probably available for Amazon.com, too. Okay. And I guess so much. I think it might be TeachMeTapes.com. Could be. Yeah, and I'd do a Google search, too. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I'm really pumped about these uh, food suggestions, too, for everything. I'm excited. Oh, well, don't forget, the other thing that I use a lot with my kids was fruit leather from the health food store. Yeah. Um, I don't, you see you see all kinds of flavored licorices and stuff in the supermarkets, but fruit leather is chewy like that, but it's made out of all fresh fruit with no sugars, no additives, and it's just, you know, it's just a little strip of leather, you know, fruit leather. You just take a, a strip off of it and eat it, and my kids just adored those. They're a little bit sticky, so you always want to bring along those little moist towelettes in the car so that they can, you know, clean their hands off afterwards. I really want us to eat healthier. Things we call eating healthier at home, but then of course we blow it every time we get into the car. Oh, I know, I know. It's really it, it, and those fast food places are everywhere. You can't. I mean, you can't go more than what five five miles or five minutes without eating in this country, can you? No. In fact, it's like the caller mentioned. You're not getting out of the car. You're not stretching at all. At least by going to a grocery store. You're, you're cooling off, stretching your legs, and getting something healthy. Yes, yes, you're, you're killing several birds at once down there. That's excellent. Any other comments or ideas before we let poor Diane go? She must be exhausted. No, Diane's really high energy, Rebecca. I can really? handle it. Oh, you're so fabulous. <laughs> really, I'm just so excited. <laughs> I had a lot of coffee this morning. <laughs> I thought you were just high on life, Diane. <laughs> that too. Well, you know, we have Susan Wise Bauer coming up next. She's fabulous. That's going to be fabulous. I hope I'm smart enough to keep up with her. Oh, oh she's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward Thank to it. Thank you very much. Those great suggestions you've given us. We're just heading off for a big trip across the western Canada, so it'll be great. Oh, terrific. Do you live in Canada? Yeah, I live in Canada. I live on the west coast, in, just in British Columbia, north of Washington State. Oh, it's a beautiful country there. Beautiful country. I've, I've visited several times. I love it there. Yeah. One of my dreams is to do a cross-country trip with the kids. Oh. Yeah, I yeah I tried that before myself. We've gone to many places because I just believe that travel is the most educational thing a family can do, and and uh, so we travel quite a bit ourselves. But I, I've just never managed that whole full country trek. Um, usually we wind up flying someplace and then renting a car and, mm-hmm. and you know borrowing a car from a friend or something and and driving around an area for a period of time. You know, I've got a, a plan now. Is that I'm going to have I have three children. So my plan is that um, one child will come with me and be the navigator, and we're going to um, be like, go, go over to Florida. So that child's the one who's responsible for finding the hotels along the way and where we're going to stop to do all this great fun stuff and, you know, being the second adult in the car, you know, navigating, looking at the map and all of that. And then we're going to meet uh, the kids, you know, my husband who really hates being in the car. He would, he would not be good company for a cross-country <laughs> trip. But uh, meeting uh, my husband and the other kids in Florida and then the girls want to come back with me. Ah, well, if you're going to go to Florida, be sure to arrange your trip for a time uh, of year when um, when the, the bugs are at bay in the Everglades. You've got to see the Everglades if you go to Florida, but you know, there are certain times of the year where there's just you have to be covered head to toe in order not to get eaten alive. So. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, yeah. it's nice to find those things out. Yeah. <laughs> Preferably beforehand. <laughs> well, thank you, Diane. Very, you're welcome. very much. 